0: When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. Um, We are in episode 13 of our study, Exodus, God's great rescue. And we left off at our last episode, Moses and his wife and his children were heading out to Egypt because Moses was going to follow God and rescue the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. But then we get this very, very fascinating story. story that's just... um, A lot of uh, Hebrew scholars over the years, a a lot of Christian scholars over the years. Everybody looks at this verse and tries to figure out what this is. And I am not... (laughs) I did not spend my Ph.D. looking at this verse. There probably have been hundreds of people that have looked at this verse and spent their Ph.D., you know, trying to figure out what it all means, because it is very curious, but not me. But I do have some thoughts on it. So we're just going to go ahead and take a look at it. It's uh, Exodus uh, chapter 4, beginning at verse 24. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. All right, so this is a bizarre episode, just as bizarre as it gets. They're heading on their way. They stop for lodging at a lodging place. And then the Lord comes to Moses and was about to kill him. Now, who, who is the him? It, it's not necessarily clear. Right before this, we were talking about the firstborn sons, right? Uh, verse 23, let my son go so he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go so I will kill your firstborn son. And then we come into this episode where the Lord meets meets Moses and is about to kill him. It's not entirely clear if Moses is the target here or if it's Moses' son. It, It could be, I mean, even in the English, it is hard to follow. When they translate it, they try to make it seem as if it's a little bit more clear cut. But it's really not. At a lodging place along the the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. We don't know who the him is. Then Zipporah, if you'll remember who Zipporah is, that's Moses' wife that he met in Midian, the the daughter of Jethro. Married her, had some sons, uh, had some children, and now they're on their way to Egypt. Zipporah is with them. And Zipporah, not Moses, but Zipporah takes a flint knife. Now, (laughs) It's uh, basically it's it's just a it's just a sharp stone. They call it a knife here because you know it sounds like it's a lot sharper than it really is. This is not jinsu here. This is this is a flint, a piece of flint that's been carved into the shape of a knife. But it's probably not. This is not surgical uh, TMC hospital stuff. This is this is thousands of years ago. Let's take a stone and let's gnaw off the foreskin <laughs> but this is what it is so zipporah takes this this flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched moses feet with it well now this is another part that's interesting it's it's uh cut off her son's foreskin and touched his feet with it so did, did she take the foreskin and cut off uh and touch moses's feet or did she touch the the foreskin and touch her son's feet uh Touch the Lord's, I mean, there's, no, there's nobody, there's no. He, we don't know who his is. But the, the interpreter of this says, touch Moses' feet with it, because that's kind of the common interpretation. And then she says this curious thing. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At this time, she said bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. So just a, lots of ambiguity here. Now the traditional the traditional Jewish teaching here is that the the that is basically this that, that she cuts off her son's foreskin, touches Moses' feet, and says, Surely you are bridegroom of blood to me. And the, the traditional teaching is, is that the bridegroom of blood is circumcision. And this goes back to Abraham. If you remember the covenant to Abraham. The Lord came to Abraham and said, I will give you offspring as white as the stars, as many offspring as the stars. And to seal that covenant, Abraham then uh, cut off his own foreskin as a promise and a seal of this covenant to God. That is the seal of the covenant is this circumcision. And it kind of makes a little bit of sense here because there's blood. And if you remember what happened, then Abraham had to have this test. Abraham had a child, Isaac, long after his wife, Sarah, was of childbearing age. How in the world am I going to have children if I don't have a child from Sarah? God blesses Abraham with the child. And then Abraham, in this test of faith, takes the child up unto the mountain and is about to kill the child because God told him to kill the child. And then God says, wait, don't kill the child. Here's a ram in the thicket. And so they sacrifice the lamb. And there's this whole idea that in the Jewish community, in the Jewish tradition, that circumcision is not only the cutting off of the foreskin to seal the covenant with God, but the blood of the circumcision is also a reference to the blood of the sacrificial lamb that was, that was sacrificed at Mount uh, Mount Sinai or uh, Mount, uh, you know, the mountain where the, where this was Mount Moriah. And, um, and so there's this whole idea that the circumcision is kind of a, a of a seal or a remembrance or ties into this sacrifice of the firstborn son that didn't happen. It was where God kind of stopped that. And then we also have to remember, well, we don't know this yet, but we're, we're going to find out later in Exodus that God that um, God is going to send the angel of death, who's going to go and kill all the firstborn sons. But uh, there's also this idea that if you are not a circumcised Jew, so if you're a slave living in Egypt and you've not been circumcised, that you can't go through this ritual because you haven't had the sacrifice of the lamb to put on the blood, blood post and so your, your firstborn son is also going to get killed, even if you're Jewish, but because you didn't circumcise yourself or your sons. So circumcision is basically a very, very, very big deal in the Jewish faith, right? It's, um, it's not as much of a big deal in the Christian faith. There are, there are most Christians, you know, follow circumcisions. There are some that don't. There's no command of God that says that you must because Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament commands. Uh, and yet, here, Moses apparently had not circumcised his son. And this is what this is all about. So Zipporah takes a flint knife and cuts off the foreskin and touches his feet with it. We're not exactly sure who his feet is. Um, and says, surely the bridegroom of, bro- bridegroom of blood to me. Um, and and scholars, I was reading a lot of research on this just because I was so curious about it. and. There, there's just no. I mean, obviously, the bridegroom of blood refers to circumcision. It goes back to the, to the, uh, the offering of Isaac on the altar. But there was no blood there. But there was a the blood of the lamb. And then it's the blood of the lamb that takes uh, away this curse of killing the firstborn son. And then when we, as Christians, look at the story, we remember the ultimate firstborn son, which is Jesus the firstborn of the father who comes and his blood is sacrificed. And then the night before he dies, he brings his disciples together and they celebrate the Passover of God that not only is the Passover that God spares the firstborn son uh, here, but also spared the firstborn son of Abraham on the altar. And it kind of like the whole thing ties together. Like this is all part of the whole idea of God kind of washing over or God rescuing, uh, the, the circumcision then ties into this rescue of God, the, the rescue of Isaac on the altar, the rescue of the firstborn sons here, and then the rescue of humanity through his her firstborn son. I mean, there's just, it all kind of ties together uh, as kind of one thing. And then, of course, the bridegroom of blood, if you're Christian, the bridegroom of blood, could reference Jesus, right? Because Jesus is the bridegroom of his church and his blood was sacrificed to protect and to rescue his church. Uh, and so you could look at it in a whole bunch of different ways. And even Jewish scholars look at this and it's just a very unusual. There's, there's lots and lots and lots of different interpretations of this because it's just a very unusual it's not clear in the text what all these pronouns reference, whether or not it's Moses, whether or not it's Moses' child, whether or not uh, it's God and who's doing all these things. And and here they lead us to believe in a certain direction, which is kind of the common tr- interpretation, but it's really kind of ambiguous. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that, uh, like, how old is Moses here? We haven't really talked about that, but. Uh, and whether or not Moses it doesn't say whether or not Moses was circumcised so uh, we don't know it, he could have been circumcised maybe not circumcised the um, it says that he was uh, in the will he was uh, dwelling in Midian got there about 40 at age 40 and then he was there until about age 80 and so uh, it does say in uh, in Hebrews that he was that he arrived at Midian at age 40 and then he went back at age 80 to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt. So at this point, Moses is 80. So then you have to think about it. Well, how old is the son? <laughs> and how old is Zipporah? I mean, this is this I always, you know, we always think of the sons being very young because I mean <laughs> What mom is, I mean, it's just the thought of an older son, you know, 20s or 30s, and having mom come and cut off the foreskin is just not a pleasant thought. We, we always think of the foreskin being cut off, you know, in the Jewish tradition, the foreskin was cut off on day eight, which is basically seven days later. It's a week later. So if you were born on a Monday, then it would be on the following Monday. That's when it's supposed to happen. Even today, uh, in the Jewish faith, uh, they try to circumcise within on the eighth day. That's kind of like part of the commandment of God. But here uh, the thought is, is that more Moses, that the Lord was gonna kill Moses because he had not had his firstborn son or his son circumcised. So Zipporah takes the knife, cuts off the foreskin, touches Moses' feet, and then the Lord let him alone. And, and that, that's the whole story here. That God was angry at Moses for having not circumcised the son. But we don't even know if Moses was circumcised. And then if Moses is 80, I have no idea how old the son is. You could, Moses could be um, a, a very, very old father, an 80 year old father to a teenager or to a very, very young child. So this is possible, it is theoretically possible. But if he meets Zipporah, um, you know, 40 years previous to this at age 40. We just don't know when he had children. Uh, but it's not very clear here is the whole thing. It's just, it's a very, very curious and unique and strange story. And it does, and, and Jewish scholars have looked at it up one side and down the other. Christian scholars upside one side down the other. But the one thing that speaks to me in this whole entire story is that that the bridegroom of blood refers to circumcision. It also refers to Jesus, that Jesus is the bridegroom of blood. And, um, and he's the one that rescues. So then you have to think of how in the world does circumcision tie into that? And I have no idea, it's, I have no idea. But this is just, it's a very bizarre little section of scripture here. not it doesn't, it doesn't really seem to be an important part of the story Uh, And yet it's in here. And every once in a while you get these strange little things that happen in scripture. And this is one of those. This is just a strange little story. So we'll, we'll go on. Um, We'll read in verse 27. Then the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness and meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron, everything the Lord had said had sent him to say And also about the signs he had commanded him to perform. So this is Moses' brother. Moses, or Aaron, the Lord comes to Aaron and says, go into the wilderness and find Moses. And so Aaron goes into the wilderness and finds Moses. Moses, remember at this point, Aaron is not necessarily with Moses. He may be back in Israel. So Moses is um, on his way or back in Egypt. Moses is on his way to Egypt. Aaron comes out and they meet in the wilderness and they kiss. And then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say. So Moses says, by the way, God wants me to rescue people out of slavery in Egypt. He gave me this staff and it's going to turn into a snake. And I'm going to I'm going to go and do these signs in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's probably not going to release people because God's going to harden his heart. But this is all the stuff that I'm supposed to do and you're supposed to help me because you speak better than I am. I'm not a very good speaker, but God won't let me turn this over to you. It's got to be me. And so you're going to help me and we're going to go out and do this. And Aaron's like, "Okay, I can do this. Um, So Aaron's going to do that. So then what happens? Well, then in verse 29, Moses and Aaron then go out to uh, where all the Egyptian slaves or the, the Israeli slaves are. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites and Aaron told them everything the Lord said to Moses. And then he performed the signs before the people and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. So by this time. Aaron believes that Moses is sent by God and he has these signs and wonders. And now all the elders of the Israelites believe in these signs and wonders. So now everybody is on board that Moses should now go to Pharaoh and explain all this stuff, show the signs and wonders, ask Pharaoh to let the Egyptian or the slaves go. Pharaoh's going to say, no, they're not going to go. And then the, we're going to get the 10 plagues. And that's basically kind of where we are. <laughs> um, and the the signs of of uh, of Moses, these signs that God gives him should have convinced everybody. I mean these are pretty powerful signs. the whole the snake, I don't know if you've seen the movie the Ten Commandments, but but um, Moses does this. He throws the staff down and it turns into a snake. And of course Pharaoh's magicians say, well this is just all a parlor trick and uh, this really isn't a snake from a staff but Moses... Um, is able to convince his brother and all the people of, of uh, the Israelites that that this is a sign from God. And as we said before, Mo- Moses is a reluctant leader. He doesn't really want to do this, but, but God is forcing him in to do it. And so there are times when we reluctantly have to follow God's will, even though we don't want to do it. And and that's part of leadership. And this really is a story about leadership, Moses. Moses is the total reluctant leader. Um, All right. I think, I I know it's a little bit early today, but I think I'm going to end it there. Um, We're going to get into the major next part of the story. And uh, we got to, we got to, we're now, we're now getting there. And so um, I think I'll leave it at that and, uh, and then we'll pray. Gracious God, a little bit shorter time today, but we do thank you that you, um, rescued your people out of slavery in Egypt. And Lord, we pray a prayer of thanks that you've rescued us out of the slavery of sin um, through the blood of your sacrifice. And for this, we thank and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.